Hi, I'm Gracie Sarkeesian, the Executive Director at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and our alumni have an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to All in a Day's Work. My name is Joe Mercadante with NYU Wasserman, and today I'm speaking with Erica Foldy, an Associate Professor of Public and Nonprofit Management at NYU Wagner Graduate School of Public Service and the co-director of the NYU Democracy Project. Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to learn more. I'm really delighted to be with you today. Awesome. So let's jump right in. So So much of your career has been dedicated to activism. How did this become such an important part of your life? Yeah, so I give my mother all the credit. I grew up in a in an activist family. She was really the the lead activist. Sixties and seventies, there were incredible social movements going on at that time: the anti-Vietnam War movement, the environmental movement, uh, civil rights movement, the United Farm Workers, and my mother honestly was involved in all of these different movements. So I spent my childhood sleeping on buses and going to Washington, D.C. to engage in marches and doing stuff closer to home. It, it, it all comes down to, to growing up with, a, with an activist mom and an, and an older brother who was also very, very involved. I think that's incredible that you were exposed to so many things growing up that it probably and it definitely has shaped who you are now and made you the person you are today. So leading up to getting your PhD, you seem to do a lot of work in political activism, as you were just saying. Can you describe some of the work you got involved with? I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So I worked on abortion rights for a number of years, and then I was eager to uh, kind of strike out on my own. I wanted to run my own organization, and I also wanted to broaden, again, the kind of issues that I was working on. So I ended up working in the labor movement for several years. I ran a coalition of locals in union locals in Massachusetts. And these were locals that were uh, primarily women. And the work that these people were doing was was office work. And so I uh, led this coalition for a number of years. And at that point, I felt like I'd kind of reached the end of the road for that kind of work. I needed a break from that really intensive organizing and kind of administrative role that I was playing. Not necessarily switching gears, but I guess going into like your next step. So your dedication to activism, as you were saying, eventually brought you to the School of Management at Boston College and then to postdoc at Harvard Business School. What led you to this decision and how did business school help further your career in activism? Yeah, it's such a great question because, you know, especially, you know, my last job had been in the labor movement. So to think about getting a PhD in a business school was potentially very threatening to my my identity, my, my basic sense of who I was. I knew that I wanted to study organizations because I'd worked in a number of organizations and I'd led an organization. And certainly through my own experience of leading an organization, but also my experience of just being an employee, I found that it's really hard to create an organizational culture that really allows everyone to thrive, allows everyone to do their best. Um, I'd worked in several contexts that were kind of toxic. And I kept wondering, you know, I was working with wonderful people. 
I was working on issues that really mattered, and yet somehow these organizations could often be pretty unpleasant places to work. And so I really became interested in how do we create organizations that are racially just, you know, that are devoted to racial equity, and that enable everyone in an organization to be able to thrive. And I knew that a lot of the best research, the most interesting research on organizations was happening in business schools. And so I decided to take the plunge. And I ended up getting a PhD at, at a school of management and then doing this postdoc at Harvard Business School. And it turned out to be exactly the right choice, the kind of research that was happening. You know, there's a lot of research that's just devoted to helping businesses make more profits. I'm not interested in that research, but there's a lot of research that's about how do we create organizational cultures that are curious, supportive, relational, and I was very interested in that in that research. So it turned out to be the right choice for me. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds that you had great foresight of, okay, I, I enjoy doing this and I care about this, but how can I make an even bigger impact? I will say, in some ways, it's not quite as planned out as perhaps I made it sound. I knew from when I was young, I knew that I wanted to be an organizer and I wanted to be an activist. And then I reached the end of that road. I just really burned out. I wasn't exactly sure what was next. And so I was looking around for, you know, graduate programs in different ways. I looked at master's programs. I knew I wanted a program that would that would literally be transformational, where I would come out a different person than I went in. And I believed that the master's programs I was looking at were just too short. Um, a year, you know, maybe two years was, I, I just had a vague sense that that wasn't going to be enough. I can't say that I really could put it into words. And that turned out to be exactly right. So I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with a PhD, but I wanted I wanted to enter into a world where I could just think about ideas, just just read a lot of stuff, talk about it with interesting people, and that I had some gut belief that at the end of that something a path would open up and it did. But it I can't say that it was terribly well thought through at the beginning. Well, you trusted your gut, which I think is important. And you went with knowing like, this is what I care about. I'm going to, I know what I want, but I'm still figuring it out at the same time. And how do I keep my like values with me? But like you said, try to make this transformational change. And clearly your gut was right and helped lead you in the right direction. So in 2003, you did come to Wagner as an assistant professor. Can you tell us a little bit more about how this opportunity came about and what excited you specifically about teaching at NYU? I honestly wasn't sure when I started my program, did I want to become a professor or not? But almost immediately, I knew that I was in the right place and that I wanted to stay in academia. And really, again, the question was, could I make the transition from getting a degree in a business school to a school of public affairs, public policy? So in the spring of the year that I was on the market, I really had nothing. Two things happened at the same time. One, I got this offer from Harvard Business School to do a postdoctoral fellowship there. And then I learned about this job at Wagner. And so I uh, came to New York. I was in Boston at the time and interviewed and, and got the offer. And I was able to, I was very lucky because uh, Wagner agreed to defer my coming for a year so that I could do the postdoc at Harvard Business School and then was able to, to start at NYU. So I was just incredibly lucky to receive this offer. I, I was, of course, I was thrilled at the time, but I really had no idea that it would turn out to be the absolute perfect place for me. So first, of course, Wagner's part of NYU. 
and NYU is just an enormous creative powerhouse in the world of academia. So just being a tiny little speck in the NYU universe is a great place to be. Wagner also just turned out to be the absolute perfect place. It emphasizes real-world impact. You know, the, the tagline is, how will you make your impact? You know, Wagner students are students that hit the ground running. The other reason why I love being at Wagner is that uh, it has more of a social justice ethos than a lot of schools like ours. It's not just interested in technocratic values of efficiency and productivity, but also in, in social justice and racial justice in creating a world in which everyone, you know, has equal opportunities and, and is truly able to, to, you know, make their way in the world. And then, of course, there's the students. And the students at Wagner are, you know, average age, 27, 28. They have some experience, work experience. Most importantly, they're idealists. They, you know, they could be at business school. They could be at law school earning way more money than they're going to make being at Wagner, but they truly want to make the world a better place. And so it's just truly a privilege for me to, to work with them. That's great. Yeah, I, Wagner is such an incredible place and uh, the ideas that come out of it. Yeah, I think just great people. And it's cool that you're a part of that. Can you, I guess, talk a little bit more about like the research that you've been working on? Yeah, sure. So the question that guides what I do is what enables and inhibits learning and collaboration across potential divisions. And we know that divisions based on so many things, right? Gender, race, class, LGBTQ status, immigration status, all these things can get in the way of people actually trusting each other and being able to collaborate, being able to let down their guard, be vulnerable with each other. And we know that learning happens when people feel relatively safe, when they feel they can be vulnerable, when they feel they can admit they don't know the answer, when they uh, feel like they can say, you know what, I think I made a mistake here and I'd like to you know, own that and, and talk about what happened. So I'm really interested in what creates cultures like that. And I'm particularly interested in what, what creates cultures of humility and curiosity. But most of my work and really my focus for the last 15, 20 years has been around race. And I'm particularly interested in how people are able to talk openly, honestly, but again, also with curiosity and generosity about racial dynamics that happen in organizations. It's a really, um, those can be very charged, very difficult. I'm, I'm interested in what, you know, what are the conditions under which people are actually able to have those honest conversations and yet walk away feeling connected with each other rather than estranged or disconnected. So that's a lot of what I what I research, and it's also behind a lot of my teaching. I teach a class called Race, Identity, and Inclusion in Organizations, and that's really the heart of, of that class is, you know, how do we create organizations that can have real, honest conversations, but how do we, in the classroom, have those same real, honest conversations, right? Because the class is always very racially diverse. So that's a piece of what I teach. And then I also teach a class in human resources, but that class is also 
kind of motivated by this interest in how do we create learning organizations, and in particular, how do we create learning organizations that are also racially equitable. And now, a word from Antara Nader, project coordinator for the NYU Democracy Project. As voting rights face unprecedented attacks in this country, the NYU Democracy Project offers opportunities for students to become active participants in the fight for democracy. The 2022 midterms are coming up, and the Democracy Project is hosting a letter-writing event in partnership with Vote Forward, a nonpartisan organization that sends heartfelt, handwritten letters to unregistered and low-propensity voters to encourage their participation in the election. This will be held on Thursday, October 27th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. in the Mulberry Conference Room of the Puck Building, which is located at 295 Lafayette Street. And we encourage all NYU students to come and join us for this event. The Democracy Project will also be sponsoring trips to Philadelphia on November 5th and November 6th to increase voter turnout in the upcoming election in partnership with Black Voters Matter. Looking ahead, we also fund students for semester-long fellowships with nonpartisan voting rights organizations, and we'll be opening applications for summer fellowships this spring. To register for the October 27th letter-writing event or receive updates on our Pennsylvania trip and future fellowship opportunities, you can visit our website at wagner.nyu.edu lead-democracy-project or email us at democracyproject at nyu.edu. NYU Votes offers information and guidelines for voter registration in all 50 states, which you can view on the NYU Votes webpage or simply by Googling NYU Votes. Now back to the show. So in addition to your teaching and your research, you also run the Democracy Project. Can you talk about what the Democracy Project is, how you got involved, and how you helped grow it to where it is now? Yes, I love talking about the NYU Democracy Project. So it was the fall of 2019. A number of faculty, actually another faculty member, a close colleague, said to a bunch of colleagues, let's, let's talk about how we can create more of a, a kind of social justice programming at the school. And so we got together and we started talking. And somewhere around November of 2019, I thought, wait a second, we've got this election coming up, the 2020 election coming up, could not be more important. Could we do something focused on that, at least for this coming year? And everybody was on board with it. So we decided that we wanted to raise money to fund students to work in pro-democracy organizations. So organizations, nonpartisan organizations, who just wanted to make sure that everybody had the opportunity to vote. Let's find students who bring skills, expertise, energy, enthusiasm. They're going to learn a lot and we can support the work of these incredible organizations. So very quickly in the spring of 2020, we created these fellowships. We found partner organizations who were interested in hosting our students. We advertised around campus. We had a lot of interest from students. Of course, you know, 2020 was there was a lot of excitement and, and interest in the 2020 elections. And, and of course, this is all, you know, in the midst of COVID and the shutdown. But despite all of that, we were able to raise the money for seven fellowships for the for summer of 2020. So students worked for 10 weeks, 40 hours a week with our partner organizations. So we started out as Vote 2020. But after, you know, in 2021, we had to come up with a new name. 
and continue the work. And so we've, we have continued the work. And this summer, we actually have a couple dozen fellows in the field. So we've really ratcheted up. We're working with, you know, a lot of new organizations. And what's really important, given that both John and I are at Wagner, is that the NYU Democracy Project is very much the NYU Democracy Project. It's not about Wagner. We have students from, from around the university who participate in our program. For those that are interested now in joining or learning more, how would you recommend people find more information and maybe um, get involved? Sure. Well, I think we've got our search engine optimization going <laughs> at this point, so that if you put in NYU Democracy Project, if you just Google that, students should take a look at the website. At the website, you can see profiles of current fellows and past fellows. You can also learn more about what the fellows have been doing you know, in their various organizations. And there, you know, you get access to the application and, you know, FAQs and, and that kind of thing. So that's really the best place to get information. Although I have to say anyone listening to this podcast can just email me, erica.foldy at nyu.edu, and I will very happily respond to your queries. So that's another way to get information. That's great. Thank you for being so accessible to our listeners. So being politically minded and active can be overwhelming today, given how many issues seem to be coming to a head. How do you keep your mental health in check as you face all these issues? Yeah, that is such a great question. I will say that for me, there are lots and lots of challenges right now. Climate change, increasingly fragile democracy, police murdering black men and other people of color, lots and lots of challenges out there. What helps me is actually doing something, getting involved was actually the best thing I did. Of course, we hope it makes the world a better place, but it was also the best thing for my own mental health. At the same time, you know, there are so many new movements now and organizations that are created and led by young people. And I've seen a real interest in these organizations to self-care because I think unlike my generation, younger people see what happened to my generation. <laughs> and um, and they don't want that to happen to them. So I hear about how do we take care of ourselves and each other? How do we take the breaks that we need? And I, I, I really love those conversations. And I think there's a lot of wisdom actually among young people about how to be passionate, be committed, you know, engage, and also take the breaks that you need, step back when you need to. That's so important. And I'm glad that you've been noticing that as well. It's, like, it's important to find that outlet, but then taking it seriously that if we want to be able to make an impact, like we need to be able to take care of ourselves as well. So lastly, what is your advice for people who are hoping to make activism a part of their career? Yeah, again, a really great question. So what I would say is there are lots and lots of different ways to do this. So we have students who say, yeah, I want to be I want to be an inside player. So work in local government, state government, even federal government. We have students who say, I really want to be on the outside. Being on the inside involves a lot of compromise. Being on the outside allows you to speak truth to power a little bit more. And uh, so we have students who decide that they want to work for advocacy groups, community organizations, elections, campaigns, so that they can really articulate the change that they really think needs to happen. So one thing to think about is where do you see yourself 
right? Do you see yourself? Do you want to be an inside player? Do you like being on the outside? A lot of our students go back and forth. Of course, another thing to think about is what are the issues that you find most compelling? But there's, but in addition to that, it's useful to think about not just what issues do I care about, but what's the best role for me? There are people who love to get into the details and the nitty gritty of different policy proposals, different policy options. You know, there are people who love that. There are people who really are very supportive of the issue, whatever the issue is, but what they're really good at is raising money. And so they found the right role by going into development. So another thing to think about is, again, what what is the role that's right for you? And the last thing I'll say is, I would encourage students after college to do, to work for a couple of years in the right, you know, activist location for them, whether that's inside the government or outside. But then I would encourage students to think about getting a degree at Wagner or at other schools of public policy, public management. That's what these schools are designed for. They're designed to enable people to uh, have an impact in the world. And some students think, oh, I should go to law school. I should go to business school. I'd love to have a conversation with you if that's what you're thinking, because I truly believe that schools of public policy, public affairs are actually better for people who want to have that immediate impact. That is fantastic advice that I'm sure all our listeners will be taking notes and thinking through as they reflect on their future. But that's it for today. So Erica, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today and share your experience with the NYU community. This has been Joe Mercadante with another episode of All in a Day's Work. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log on to our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Joseph Mercadante with episode guest Erica Foldy. We're produced by Sarah Rosenthal and Ben Barzilai, edited by Ben Barzilai, and created with support from Emily Anderson, Danielle Crystal, and Haley Garofalo. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.